May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So this morning, it's Harvest Festival time. So why do we have Harvest Festivals? What's all that about? Uh, I invite you, I've talked about this in the past, so I'm not going to tell you. You're going to tell each other. So I invite you, turn around, talk to your neighbours. What are Harvest Festivals about? Why do we have Harvest Festivals? Today and created this amazing scene and for all those who donated and if you have any other food that you want to add to that please do uh, join the offer tree so that's one reason we give thanks for food what else right celebrating the bringing in of the harvest and I think most of the harvest is in is all your harvest in just so Yeah. So it is a chance to remember all those who are involved in bringing us food, which is the farmers and the farm owners, the people who work on the farms, the seasonal workers, uh, all the companies that work with those farmers. So in our, uh, we have Zespri uh, in our congregation, and there's Fonterra, and there's lots of other companies. Um, is all those involved in the processing and the packaging uh, of those food materials and all those involved in the production of the p- packaging in the first place. There's all those involved in transporting the food. There's the shop owners and the shop workers. And there's all the government agencies that work with them to uh, keep our borders safe so that pests don't come in and wreck our food crops and we know what happens when they do come in and also to help market those foods around the world. And so there's a whole lot of people. And last year, during COVID, we were suddenly aware of a lot of those people because they were called essential workers and they had to keep working in their little bubbles and sometimes not in their bubbles, like supermarket workers. They were working all through that, not in their bubbles, so that we could have access to food. So Harvest Festival does give us an opportunity to just stop and think about Who is involved in allowing us to have this? 
Any other reasons for a harvest festival? Sharing. Sharing? Yep. So, say a bit more about that. Right, so it's an opportunity to do that, yeah. I've taken it back much further when I was thinking about coming, right back to the book of Ruth, where yes. I came yes. and drifted all the weeds on the land, and they stooped it all up. But then the people who were, this is all going to go to people in need, and then the women came in and the down and outs came in and gleaned all that was left over. Right. So it reminds me a bit of going right back to the Old Testament. Yep. And it also... Uh, so kind of carrying on from that, it reminds us of, of, of those who do not have enough, so, and some of those are those who work in this food production industry, and also those around the world who are exploited to bring us food. So farm owners and farm workers, and um, Clark in a couple of weeks is going to talk to you about the seafarers mission, and a lot of those seafarers are very poorly treated so that we can have cheaper food um, so we need to think about that and this is an opportunity for us to be aware of that but also to share and all of this is going to go to food bank. Who, who likes gardening? Yep. So harvest is also about us and the joy of gardening and giving thanks for that and just the joy of being in the garden and, and the life that we feel in that uh, and the joy of eating the produce from our own gardens. Anything else about harvest festivals? I think the health of the soil is important. <coughs> right. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, yep. I just think in, the, in the current times that um, looking at that harvest that we think of that, um, with the changes to the climate we've got coming up that um, we can, what we can grow and I think each year will become more and more as some things we can't grow anymore. Yep. Yep. So this year we have a crop, and things will get trickier. So going back to the soil, um, so this this time of year for us is also matariki, and uh, so we can have the matariki slide come up. So my sermon gets out of order now, and that's okay. So um, matariki is. Uh, the Māori New Year, and there's the, the nine sisters that are up there. Uh, we kind of colonised it, so in the west we have seven stars, the Pleiades are the seven sisters, but Māori always had nine. So they're just kind of gently reminding us that actually in a Māori world there are nine sisters. Uh, so uh, there they are, I think there's nine, I think I counted nine. Uh, and the importance about Matariki was... This was when those sisters, when those stars appeared, it was time to start preparing the soil for the Kumra crop. Which reminds us that we need good soil to grow our crops. And that we need to tend and look after that soil. Now soil is very different from dirt. Soil is a living ecosystem. It has a whole lot of organisms in it, that allow life to grow in that soil. And a lot of our modern farming technology is destroying the soil. So it's allowing us to grow crops for now for about another 50 years. And then our current soil will be done. And I don't know what happens at that point. Uh, 
because we won't be able to grow the crops that we have at the moment. We need to find different ways of farming so that the soil continues to flourish. So it's a reminder that, yes, it's a time of thanksgiving, but also, as um, Shirley and Jen said, there are things happening in our world, and we need to look after the soil, and climate change is happening, and that is making life a lot more difficult for us, and biodiversity is under threat, and that is also making life a lot more difficult for ourselves. So... Last week I talked about Murray Bodo, the Franciscan friar, and his use of Laudate Si, written by Pope Francis, or On the Care of Our Common Home. So it was written about five years ago. And in this, he talks about, uh, I mean, he wrote it out of a concern, so this is before 2018. 2018 is the crunch year, because that's when the Intergovernment Panel for Climate Change at the UN produced its emergency report, and basically said... We have just over 10 years to halve our emissions, and if we don't, we're in serious trouble. We're in trouble anyway, but we're in serious trouble. So uh, that's why suddenly this has become a lot more urgent. So he wrote it before then, but even then, he was very concerned about what was happening in our world, both in terms of the climate and how we treat each other. And in it, he says, I ask all believers to return to the beautiful and meaningful custom of giving thanks before and after meals. That moment of blessing, however brief, reminds us of our dependence on God for life. It strengthens our feeling of gratitude for the gifts of creation, and it acknowledges those who by their labours provide us with these gifts. So that's what we're doing today, is stopping and giving thanks. And it's a good thing to do, and it's a good thing to remind ourselves that actually that is something we should be doing all the time, before every meal. And I don't know if you're good at that, but I've got to say that a lot of the time I forget. And actually reminding myself to stop and to, however brief, give thanks for this world that God has given us, given us, giving thanks for all those who have been involved in bringing this food to my table and allowing me to eat uh, is an important part of the meal. It also reminds us of all of those for whom harvests, the bringing of the food to us, is, a diff- is, is hard for them. All those who have lost their land to corporate farmers so they can buy, so they can then grow cash crops to sell to the Western markets, leaving people who used to be farmers and would be able to sustain their own lives are reduced to farm workers on not enough pay to even afford the food they used to grow for themselves. So watching their soil being degraded and thinking how long will this last. So there's lots of issues around that get raised every time we stop and think about harvest. So harvest festivals invite us not only to give thanks, but they also invite us uh, to repent. And as I've said, to repent is um, not quite there yet. So you go back to giving thanks. <laughs> uh, is to see the world with a bigger mind. To see the world through God's eyes. And to appreciate the world in a different way. And to live out of that in a different way. So last week, uh, I... I used Murray Bodo's um, quoting of Pope Francis, who talks about 
uh, St. Francis and how he, uh, he, how he showed us just how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature, which is what Harvest Festival is about, but also justice for the poor and commitment to society and inner peace. And how Murray Bodo talked about inner peace being an awareness that God is and that God dwells in all creation. And out of that comes a concern for creation, a desire for justice for the poor, a commitment to society. Out of that inner peace. Later on in uh, his book, Surrounded by Love, Murray Bodo talks about um, how creation is the place where laws are based not on ownership, but on relationship. Not on overpowering and subduing, but on nurturing. He talks about the plate in creation we see how the relating within the Trinity is lived out in a way that we can understand. Now, I, the Timothy reading was a bit of a surprise. That wasn't supposed to be there this morning, but never mind. Um, but I, I put in the Genesis reading because one of our problems in the West is Genesis. And so Genesis 1 has the word dominion. So we are given dominion over the world. And in the West, we, we see the world through ownership and overpowering and subduing. And our understanding of ownership is God has given us this world, we now own it, and we can do with it like what we want. That's our Western view world viewpoint, isn't it? Like all the all the, a lot of the criticism about the Resource Managing Management Act has been the government is telling me what I can do with my land. I own it. I should be able to do with it what I want. A lot of our friction around land between Māori and Pākehā is, and we, we're living through that at the moment with um, the CMS land that was gifted to the New Zealand government, there are a whole lot of people that don't think the Anglican should have apo apologised for that because they say, well, you owned it, so you should have been able to do with it what you liked. If you want to give it to the government, that's fine. You owned it. That's how we understand ownership. That is not a universal understanding of ownership. That is a very Western understanding of ownership. So when we read Genesis 1, we apply that to Genesis 1. We have dominion. We own it. We can use this world as we like. It's ours to use. But most indigenous people and lots of people outside of the West do not comprehend that understanding because they don't have an understanding of ownership like that. For them, this is not our world to do with as we like. It is still, if you come from a Christian point of view, God's world. And we are here living in God's world and we have a role in God's world which is to join in God in the ongoing work of creation. So when they read dominion, they don't read ownership and subduing and overpowering, they read relationship and nurturing. 
And Genesis 2 makes that much clearer. In Genesis 2, it is clearly about relationship and nurturing and... Well, it's about relationship and nurturing. So, uh, the one thing I'd say about the NRSV is it kept talking about the man. And uh, the Hebrew word there is Adam, which does not mean man. It means human. And so, there are a lot of biblical scholars that would say male and female are created at the point where the rib is taken out of the human one. And then, at the end of that process, we have men and women. Before that, we just have humans of neither gender or both genders. I'm not sure how that works. So, one of the things that Franciscans remind us, like Francis of Assisi, like Murray Bodo, and what Pope Francis is trying to do in his writings, is that when we see the, that the world is God's, underlying that is a sense that this world comes out of the Trinitarian relationship. So on Trinity Sunday I talked about, and the Sundays after, I talked about the importance of the Trinity for us and how we see the world. So one of the problems is when we don't pay attention to our Trinitarian theology is that sometimes we slide into, for example, a hierarchical understanding of Trinity. God's the boss. Then we have the Son, then we have the Spirit. And then we see everything else in terms of hierarchy, because that's how God works. But actually that is not good Trinitarian theology. Within Orthodox Trinitarian theology, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are equal. They are co-eternal, and they are expressed in each other, but they are separate. The important thing there isn't... isn't trying to understand how all that works. The important thing in all of that is to think about the kind of relationship that exists within the Trinity and between the persons of the Trinity. It's not a hierarchical relationship. It's not a bossy relationship. It's a relationship of mutuality, of care, of compassion, of love, and completeness. And so people like Murray Bodo says that when we look at creation and we look at actually this is about relationship and it's about nurturing, we can see God. Because that's what God is like. That's what the Trinity teaches us that God is like. And God's heart is this relationship of mutuality, this relationship of compassion, this relationship of completeness. That together, they complete each other. So when we look at creation, we see ourselves as separate and in charge. But from a Trinitarian point of view, we should look at creation and say, so how do we complete creation? We are part of it. What kind of relationship do we live out with creation? What kind of relationship do we live out with each other? What kind of relationship do we live out with the people of the world? Usually we don't pay any attention to that because we see ourselves on our own as the boss. We may not say that, but actually in the West, that is exactly what we think. 
We are the most important. The rest of the world serves us. So that brings us now to Mark and this, this great uh, picture which comes from Magdala in Israel uh, and the story we had today. So just to remind us that the two questions at the heart of Mark's Gospel are the, the question we heard two weeks ago, who is this man who can calm the waves and the storm? And how is the reign of God being brought about in him? As Mark says in the right at the beginning of his gospel, now is the time. Here God, here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. So the reign of God, then the kingdom of God, is the restoration of God's intentions within all of creation. And the overcoming of all that prevents creation from thriving and all that brings death. All of that is defeated in Jesus, in the reign of God. So, how do we see that in these stories? And what does that mean for us as we celebrate our Harvest Festival? So, two weeks ago we had, no, last week, we had the story of Jesus crossing the sea and calming the storm. So those were powers that sought to destroy Storms were created by spirits. The sea spirits were the worst of all. Spirits of chaos. And Jesus defeated them. And then when Jesus gets to the other side, he's confronted by a man who's possessed by a whole legion of spirits who he casts out into pigs and they run down the hill and jump in the sea. And, uh, and the townspeople, who are not Jews, come out and they find the man who had been living in graveyards now clothed and in his right mind. And they are amazed and full of fear and they tell Jesus to leave that place immediately. And so Jesus goes back and we have this story. And in today's story we have a trick that Mark often uses which kind of pushes, has one story and then he embeds another story in the middle of it. And the two bits kind of talk to each other. And so we have a girl who's dying or has died, who's 12 years old, and a woman. And so that means she is now at the age where she would become a woman. And we have a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. And so, and had resources. So sometimes we think she was poor and she's become poor. But she had resources in the first place to spend on the doctors. So she would have been from a notable family. She had resources to do that. Poor people did not spend everything they had on doctors because they had no money to spend on doctors. One of the amazing things about Jesus was he didn't charge for what he did. There were other people who did similar things. They charged. So he worked for free. And so we have this story in the heart of this other story of a, of a woman who has been let down by men for 12 years and she trusts that this man, if she could just touch his tassel, this man will be able to change that. And so we have this great picture of her reaching out through the crowd and touching and being healed. So this is a story about Jesus overcoming everything 
that deprives people of life. She has been deprived of life. She has not been able to thrive. Now she is able to thrive. And by calling her daughter, he restores her to her community so that she has a place again. She has been unclean for 12 years, on the edge, on the outside, not really welcome anywhere. And it's a great story. It's interesting that the man gets a name, but the two people who were healed do not get names. That's a little bit of a, a thing about the world that Jesus lived in, really, isn't it? Another thing that deprived people of life. So, for many people, what prevents them from thriving is their fear. In our conversations about climate change, a lot of the time we are motivated by fear. Fear does not help us thrive. Fear actually often stops us acting at all. When we are too afraid, we don't know what to do. And so we do nothing. It stops us and it traps. At the end of the story last week, with the calming of the storm, Jesus asked the disciples, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith? Don't you trust yet? And then he goes and casts out the demons in Gennesaret. And the people there are so afraid of him that they ask him to leave. They don't want him around. They like life as it is, even if that life means that it's not really life. And they are unable to, to thrive. Their fear gets in the way. And then he comes back to this side and we have two stories of two people who in many ways overcame their fear, or at least trusted enough in the midst of their fear to act. So one was Jairus, who was desperate, but even when he's told that his daughter that his daughter has died, trusts enough to keep that he follows Jesus back to the house. He could have just said to Jesus, There's no point, go on your way. You can do nothing. But the woman in the middle of the story has had 12 years of fearing, fearing the worst. And in this moment, even though I'm sure she was still fearful for all kinds of reasons, like she should not be there in this story. She is an unclean woman without a chaperone in the midst of a crowd. And she is there and she reaches out and touches a man who is not a member of her family. She cannot do that. Which is why she then falls before him in fear. She has broken so many rules doing that. But despite her fear, she trusted. Why are you frightened? Do you not trust yet? She trusted. And despite her fear, she acted. In both these cases, their trust, even though they were still fearful, allowed them to act. Fear denies life. Fear stops us thriving. But Jesus, in the story, 
and throughout Mark's Gospel breaks the power of fear and invites us to trust God even in the midst of our fear and doubt so that we can join the work of the Kingdom of God. Living God's mutuality, generosity, completeness, love for all creation and for all who live in this creation. So, as we give thanks for our harvest and think about the world out of which this harvest has come, what are the ways we are being invited to live in ways that allow creation and all that is involved in the harvest to thrive? For that is the reign of God. We gather to give thanks today. So what does this gathering invite us to?